Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Stiff Upper Lip Pro- uh, Podcast. Sorry about that. Um, with me, of course, Tom, and joining me today is Sam. Sam, how you doing? I'm pretty good. How, how bad can it be when the New York football giants are waiting a divisional game? Well, yes, absolutely. Sam, not only are the Giants in the playoffs for the first time since we've been doing this podcast, but they aren't one and done, which I think puts them in higher stead than... Oh, actually, I guess the Vikings won their first playoff game um, in our first season. But I think other than that, I'm pretty sure we have been consistently one and done on the show, including the Vikings again at the hands of the Giants, um, which is pretty wild, really, as a, as a little podcast troupe. The Bears were one and done. The Steelers have been one and done a couple of times. The Vikings obviously had that one uh, in our first season, but then have been one and done every time. The G-Men, the only team, or the second team, Ooh, I guess. Well, Crazy. Packers. Oh, of course. I forgot about last season. My bad. Yes. Okay. It's, easy, it's very easy to forget. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is entirely easy to forget. Um, and there's nobody here to defend his corner today because Max isn't joining us. Um, so <laughs> it's just going to be a little spy hander here. But yes, six games of NFL wild card action. Um, Sam, did you enjoy this weekend, even was, outside of the fantastic. Giants? It was. I think that these were all like pretty thoroughly entertaining games. Uh, well, there were one or two that were slightly less <laughs> kind of white knuckle, but I think broadly it was a it was a good wild card weekend. Yeah, it definitely um, it definitely had a little bit more going for it in uh, in a couple of the games that I thought maybe just maybe might have been the ones that fell flat on their face, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. They ended up being two of the spicier ones. Um, let's get into it then, and we'll just do these in order. No point in mixing and matching the roundup, because we watched the games in the same order as everybody else did. So why not <laughs> highlight every single one, because they're all primetime games at this point, and where better place to start than on the West Coast with the San Francisco 49ers beating the Seattle Seahawks 41-23. And I feel like this one was going to be one of the... Uh, three i'd say lopsided games at this weekend and this one was the only one that ended up truly being very lopsided come the end um pretty interesting game though in terms of how the how it all ended up playing out brock purdy i think had a a very poor start um he looked very much like the mr irrelevant tier pick but then come the second half it all opened up back up again for him in the Shanahan system and he was able to throw for three touchdowns granted got a lot of help from uh, Debo Samuel on one of them but take nothing (laughs) away from Brock Purdy's performance on the day whereas the Seahawks who I'd say were a bit lucky would you to um to get into the playoffs at this at this late late stage with how sort of poor they'd been end up getting beaten yeah it is a bit not unlucky. It's a bit disappointing that the Seahawks kind of trailed off towards the end of the year and playoffs kind of caught them at not their lowest, but 
certainly not like the heights of like the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, they, they they were they were they did very well to hang around in the first half. Obviously, Birdie kind of struggled in that first half, and that was mostly why. But in that in in the second, when I think I think the Forty Nineers had like twenty five or twenty or like unanswered points, like yeah, it was. I mean, between the third and fourth quarter, they had 25 unanswered points, and then the Seahawks tacked on six in the fourth. <laughs> like, the scoreline doesn't quite reflect. I mean, the Seahawks did all of their scoring in the second quarter, and to be fair, they yeah. went into halftime in the lead, but when you would score 17 points in the second and six in the fourth while you're already down 41 to, I guess, 41 to 17, it ended up being. Um, that isn't going to help. So, yeah. yeah. The yeah, 49ers, I mean, do you feel better about them now after seeing them uh, go in and put yeah. 41 up in the wildcard round? I, I, I feel better because Herdy didn't look as kind of confident towards the start of this game. It didn't seem like it was the, like, kind of effortless... Niners offense that you know they've been running the past couple of weeks and they just kind of when I look back at the game now it, it they just kind of took care of business and like the all the weapons around Brock Purdy did what they were meant to do and and like this is this was probably like obviously he played a lot better in the second half but the first half of this was probably the worst like Brock Purdy's been in like maybe since the second game? Yeah, it's definitely the worst that he's looked since he had that like second half against was it the Dolphins in that yeah really weird game where Jimmy G got hit and what have you. Yeah, when he initially came in. Yeah. But like when when he has a half like that and they they still like keep pace with an admittedly very underwhelming Seahawks team, and then just blow the doors off in the second half. Yeah, it, it's a testament to how this team is built and like coaching and like. I mean, he he had like eighteen completions, and he he had like <laughs> more than three hundred yards. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're built. The... They're built with players open near enough every play, and not to yeah. take anything away from him because I think he he had a couple of plays that were almost highlight real plays. Funnily enough, the hardest plays that he had to make, his receivers let him down. Um, there was yeah, one yeah. where he just started he just started riffing in the backfield. He he ended up going all the way to the left and then cutting all the way back to the right and then. Throws yeah. it on the run and throws an absolute dart. It was probably his best pass of the whole actual game. Um, and Brendan Ayuk dropped it in the back corner of the end zone, and you would sort of yeah. think, you know, he has those moments. But then sometimes he'll get away with throws as well. Uh, there were a couple of throws where he led a guy too far inside with the safety over the yeah, top. And yeah, 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 yeah. Like those, those are the types of passes like, that you can get out of, but you don't want to be doing too often because they're like hospital passes for your receivers. Um, and he ended up making the play on it. I think it might have been Ayuk again who made the play. Yeah. But 
could be getting guys hurt. Kind of want him to get out of that. But again, for a seventh round rookie, last overall pick, you can't really say that that isn't to be expected every so often. Um, yeah, like even when he does have these kind of lapses of like, no judgment, I guess. Like he's come in as a starter halfway through the season. He, well, more than halfway through the season. He, you know, he hasn't had a full off season or anything. He, he was like completely green and there's always going to be those kind of lapses and like poor decisions, I think, from like rookie QBs. But for it to be surrounded by like such a high quality of play. Like these are aberrations. These are the exception. Yeah. And so often he is either just like making the throws that he has to make, which obviously like people are schemed open in the system. And some of them aren't the hardest passes in the world to make, and then you rely on someone like Debo or like uh, McCaffrey to like get the the good yards there. But even like I think in this game, like his Getting away from pressure, he is fantastic. Like he he seems to have a very good like sense for pressure and he's just he's he's real slippery, man. Yeah, there seems to be um quite a lot of the the quarterback mould over the last few years or so. Uh, there's very much not your statue pocket passer types in the league anymore and if yeah. they are they're they're backup guys. Now you're starting to see the sort of slightly undersized, slightly less cannony arms, but outrageously accurate and incredibly slippery guys. Your Joe Burrow is leading the league now. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has the cannon arm and can do the ridiculous crap, but it's his mobility that enables him to do it. He's not just a, an out-and-out pocket passer. I think the closest that you've got now to a pocket guy is probably Herbert, but even then, he's more mobile than you sort of your Brady, Rogers, Roethlisberger's of of yeah. the last like twenty years. It's it's good. The um the 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 quarterback landscape in this playoffs is also uh, outrageously cool. Um, but we'll cover that <laughs> we'll cover that whole thing in a in a little bit. Um, the Forty ers just one final point before I say we move off. Uh, they've lost four times this year and. The, th- the three of their losses, the fourth one was to the Chiefs, uh, three of their losses were to the one-pick Chicago Bears, to the uh, eliminated two weeks ago Atlanta Falcons, and to the hopelessly devoid of anything Denver Broncos. So isn't that interesting? Very, um, very mm. odd season for the Niners, losing three of the most winnable games that they've had. And then going out and blitzing the entire NFL to shreds. Yeah. It, a, a quick word before we like move away from it. The Seahawks, like this game like their their tackling was not good in this game. No. Like and against a team like the Niners where they like kind of live and die by like yak. Yeah. It's it's kind of the first thing that you have to do to like limit you know their offense and it was just 
poor. Like, obviously the turnovers didn't help, but, but yeah. And it was, you know, I think this is... No one had any, like, illusions about the, the Seahawks, like, having a deep playoff run or anything, I don't think. But to, to think how we... I mean, you you know, I'm talking to a guy who thought that the Seahawks would be the, the worst team in the league yeah. at, the, at the start of the year. Like, to see what they've done with this team and, like, how well for the majority of the year Gino's performed. Like, no, no Seahawks fan is going to be despondent about this. No, they, um, like, they are definitely a team in transition and to still have made the playoffs. Um, and at one point... Be- really quite convincing as well i mean they sort of oh, dropped yeah. off a little bit but like they were they were getting out what they ended up like six and three at one point in the season so like there's yeah, a lot yeah. to there's a lot to build off and it's encouraging that pete carroll's going to be sticking around for next year as well um gives him a platform i will say building a team where the coaching is probably going to still be a carrying factor for it around mm. a guy that maybe won't be in the league come three years time is going to be interesting it's almost like their window isn't a quarterback's rookie contract or a star player's rookie contract or a star player's deal or anything it's their coach their coach has given them the set window so yeah it's very um it's interesting but yeah Pete Carroll when he gets the opportunity to do his magic um, is still an elite coach. As I say, we move on and talk about a absolutely. game that was absolutely barnstorming. Um, <laughs> had just everybody speechless um, for about about five hours after the game. Um, people went to bed and what have you, but like everybody that woke up to the news of what had happened. I mean, I went to bed at halftime thinking that the Chargers had got this one wrapped up. 27 and nothing. Sam, at one point, <laughs> the Jags score a, a late touchdown in the in the first half and get it back to twenty seven seven. But yeah. Trevor Lawrence has thrown four interceptions, is having maybe the worst quarterback day out of any starter that I think I've ever seen um, in a first half in a playoff game. The Chargers are moving the ball everywhere. The Jags haven't got an answer. How did they fucking win? to the Jacksonville Jaguars who advanced to the divisional round for the first time since 2017, which is also, funnily enough, the last time they made the playoffs. Um, (laughs) Wild. Absolutely wild. And, yeah, I I don't know what to say. Trevor Lawrence having a ridiculous game where he goes from having maybe the worst I've seen a a guy play that's an established starter to one of the best comeback performances for for four touchdowns. I mean, it was the duality of a number one overall pick. And it reminds me of um, an Andrew Luck playoff game in about 2014. Uh, It was my first year really fully paying attention to the NFL. And I'd heard all of the sort of rumorings about, like, Andrew Luck being um, this, like, really promising, very good rookie yeah. or like I think he was a rookie or a second year guy he was he was very young 
Um, and he had a bit of a stinker and then went out and played absolutely lights out. You couldn't touch him. I think he probably had like 158.3 passer rating for yeah. just the second half. And it's funny because Trevor Lawrence's pro comp coming into the draft was that he was Andrew Luck. He was determined and pro-ready already. And it just shows what a guy like Doug Peterson can do with a guy like that. Because a lot of guys would go back into their shell after throwing four picks in a playoff game. Um, But credit the fucking Jacksonville Jaguars. Another thing that I want to point out is um, they they got some flack off of basically everyone, uh, ourselves included, for (laughs) Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, who they spent quite a lot of money on. And then you look at their stat line in this playoff game and Evan Ingram's got seven catches, 93 yards and a touchdown. Chris Kirk, eight catches, 78 yards and a touchdown. And Zay Jones, eight catches, 74 yards and a touchdown. They were all instrumental in getting the Jags into the the divisional round. Every single one of them had a, a part to play. It was phenomenal. What a comeback. It was amazing. Like, the absolute kind of the the despair of Lawrence in the first half like being able to just being able to kind of I don't know like I I would find it so interesting being like a fly on the wall for a conversation between Edison and Lawrence at half time and because you know I'm sure it wasn't like a, a personal revelation or like you know uh, amazing words of wisdom but just like that kind of support and that environment especially after like last year and that whole dumpster fire yeah to be able to like i guess i guess just like put put your faith in like your quarterback again and just believe that like like for a lot of well not not a lot but for quite a few games this year they they have come back from these like you know double digit deficits and it's pretty much every time and because Lawrence just just makes these throws yeah. and they just find whatever they need like the last five drives Four touchdowns and a field goal. Yeah. Like, and, like, the last five drives, it was 23 of 29 for 250 yards and four touchdowns. Outrageous. Like, and the perfection. balls to get, the to go oh, for two right at the end of the game. They, they could go for extra point and take it to overtime, but Doug Peterson, who did this in 2017 with the Eagles, he doesn't want that. What he wants is to win it in in regulation and kick ass. Yeah, it it was it was absolutely amazing, and and they, I think the the Jags more than I think the Jags more than most deserve to be here. Like every every Jags win, at some point I think comes down to just like. Amazing execution and like it's such a fun offense. I think. Well, this and is it's... 
This just great to have them here. This leads me on to my sort of next question. They're going to get the Chiefs. Um, we'll do like a recap and, and like a, yeah, a, yeah. a full breakdown of every like one of the four games next round. They're going to get the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Um, Chiefs coming off of a bye. Jags on a what eight game win streak now, or yeah. at least they are nine and one. It seems um, over their last ten games. Do you want to be facing a team like that? Or, alternatively, are they going to be so almost worn out a la with the Vikings when they had the Minnesota Miracle <laughs> and then they went and got absolutely tonked by the Eagles in the NFC like championship game? Are the Jags going to have enough left in the tank after almost an entire back half of the season and wild card round of doing this of playing absolutely lights out to fight for your lives at the end of the year to keep yourselves in the hunt and then to go out and beat the Chargers who were 27 and 0 ahead do they have enough left in the tank to go to Arrowhead and win or do you think it could get a little ugly in the next round I I don't I don't think I mean this is it's interesting like in the I think I can't remember what week it was um I think it was like week 8 or 9 when they came back after like three or four losses they came back from like 17 points down to the Raiders and then the next week lost to the chiefs but they've like they've kind of been playing like this like all year or the second half of the year certainly i like i don't think i don't think they're going into like arrowhead with a shred of fatigue like i i really think they're they're gonna keep pace here. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, we'll have to keep an eye out. I'll I'll quickly correct my thing. They're on a six-game win streak, not an eight. And ah. uh, their last loss was against the Lions when they got absolutely destroyed by Dan Campbell's knee biters. <laughs> but since fourth of December, they've won every single game, and that includes the NFC's two-seed Dallas Cowboys. So. Or not the NFC's oh, two that... seed, the uh, the NFC's five seed Dallas Cowboys, yeah. should I say? Uh that the overtime win. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. We should we should talk about the Chargers somewhat. We should. I I almost was... kind of don't want to because I I, I like I like the Chargers and I'm I'm just so sick of Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi. And thankfully, Joe Lombardi has now been fired, so there might be less checkdowns. But um, notable NFL podcaster um, Dan Hansis notably <laughs> called out Justin Herbert. And I, I, I just I just want to question here, because he, he, he never called out Matt Ryan um, for being let down by coaching and scheming and play calling uh, when he was in Atlanta. I just wonder, 
what Justin Herbert could have possibly done here because he played well. The Jags, defense especially, shut down all semblance of running game. And he was also he was also playing with not only his backup like wide receiver two, but then the backup to the backup because I think DeAndre Carter got ruled out and yeah. they run a jet they usually have one jet sweep in a game and that was being taken by somebody that didn't know the playbook and <laughs> it was on like a third and one in a crucial spot and they don't convert and then the Jags go down the other end of the field and get a touchdown and that ends up being a thing and I just wonder how is Justin Herbert meant to overcome playing through three quarters against the Broncos in a meaningless game, losing his best deep threat target and his jet sweep man on a crucial play where the jet sweep man doesn't even know what he's meant to be doing and they have to, you know, burn basically a whole play from their playbook that Justin Herbert wants to call. And I just... What is a guy meant to do in that situation when he's playing very well? I mean... There's no running game, and you're down a, a, a guy, and nothing's being changed schematically. This is on the coaches for me, and not on the players. They executed about as well as they could, apart from Jerry Bosa, who had like one of the all-time meltdowns that I've ever seen on the NFL field. For like oh, yeah. a guy of, of that stature to just go so far into his own head at one point. And ended up costing the team because yeah. um, that was where the two point conversion came from. Was a Joey Bosa yeah. meltdown, and you just yeah. sort of think like a couple players maybe, but this is all coaching for me because um, the players did what they needed to do in the first half and they carried it on, and uh, the coaching just let them down over the last two weeks slash two seasons for me. I don't. I don't think that Herbert should be free of criticism here. They did they did not have the ball much in the second half. But like they had that long drive where like m- missed a few throws albeit like in But I think that but I think that that was on Peterson because I mean they had great field position throughout the game. Yeah. But at the same time, like, Doug Peterson makes adjustments and bad coaches will stick to a game plan and not adjust in the face of an adjustment. And whether that be to mix up the the coverage or mix up the scheming, the Jags had a couple long drives in this one where they they probably would have been stopped in the first half, but Peterson, Mm -hmm. being a good coach obviously makes the adjustment to the offense and Joe Lombardi and Brandon Staley bad coaches don't make any adjustments and nor does their defensive coordinator whose name escapes me it just feels like the coaches as a whole could have avoided this so much easier than trying to pin this on a quarterback who put up 27 points and did what he could without key pieces of offense or for example without a team giving him the ball more yeah it just I mean if they it wasn't good if yeah it's obviously he isn't the first like 
name on the list of like you know people who are at fault for this like collapse but you know uh, let's uh, let's not just because he's the golden boy let's not uh, let's not use kid gloves there's no kids' gloves here. I mean, <laughs> you, you love Justin Herbert so much. Yeah, I do. And if I'm gonna if I'm gonna praise Trevor Lawrence for a, for an outstanding overall game, even though the first half was a complete disaster, Justin Herbert goes toe to toe in the exact same way. But Lawrence has an elite coach, and Herbert has an absolute fucking moron. Like. I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna like give Herbert a little bit of a, a leeway here because the one team has an actual game plan and a running game and the other one doesn't. Yeah, I mean the yeah let, we know we know broadly who is at fault here, and one guy's been fired already. Brandon Saylor Brandon Saylor I think should be. Pride for his crimes against this team. Agreed. But, um, but they'll, you know, they'll they'll hash that out in the off season. Yeah. Um, all right, let's let's move on because we have a, a a bit of a strict timeline now, um, and I also want to talk here about the next game at pretty decent length, <laughs> and that is the Buffalo Bills thirty four, Miami Dolphins thirty one. Um, I will I will mention here that I actually missed large parts of this game because when <laughs> the Bills got out to a fourteen nothing lead, I went and watched Better Call Saul and ate food. Quote <laughs> saying the words, "It's Skylar Thompson. The Bills are up fourteen nothing. There's no chance of a comeback." And then what happened is the Dolphins led large parts of this game. Or at least came very close to then winning the game at the hands of the Buffalo Bills, who were the two seed in the AFC, with all of their starters, while the Dolphins were reduced to a, th- a QB3, who was picked like two picks earlier than Brock Purdy. They didn't have a running game. They didn't really have to do anything on an offensive side of the ball because their defense came to play, and Josh Allen almost bottled the whole AFC. Mm-hmm. Crazy. It, it like the the start to this game, the first like um, I don't know, like four or five drives from the Bills were it was it was amazing to watch it was fluid they it could have this could have been like a a 21 nothing lead if Austin Knox hadn't dropped that pass in the end zone I think (laughs) I think Josh Allen was saying after the game that like and I mean what 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 do you say after that that you know they they won and they're through to the next game and that's what matters. But I really don't know how I feel about this team now. And I think partially that's because they seem to choke in the biggest spots. And I think it's also partially because Ken Dorsey is bad at his job? Yeah, 
I'd, I'd, I'd kind of be inclined to agree with you. I feel like if if this was last year's Buffalo Bills with Brian Dable, they aren't giving up thirty-one mm. points where most of it is because their offense ground to a halt or actively gave the ball away in crucial spots. I mean, I know that Josh Allen has to take some accountability for this because some of his play on the game, I mean, two picks. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a, a, a crucial fumble as well that ended up being <laughs> scooped and scored for six. That puts Miami in this position. The, the I feel yeah. like the defense can kind of get away with this because Miami were given incredibly good field positions so often yep. because of foibles by the offense. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. It's it's I mean, gotta be on a bit of Dorsey and a little bit of Josh Allen. Yeah. Um, well again, jo- Josh Allen he just gets into these funks and sometimes yes it's exacerbated by like Dorsey's play calling, I think. But at the end of the day he I I said this last like the last time we recorded. He chooses one thing to be bad at a year, and this year he gives other teams the the ball all the time. Yeah, he's <laughs> living out his Brett Favre this year, it seems. <laughs> like, the, the Dolphins didn't really let them run, which was a... It was a big factor in, I think, why the... Or at least, like the first, the first four or five drives, again looked very good. They like you know, and then after that they really kind of shored up, and I think that made the offense a bit more one dimensional, and I think it made like they just kept going for the the big plays, and. Like Miami did a very good job, especially in the second half, of just kind of taking gigs out of the game completely. Yeah. But they were still just, you know, trying to run before they can walk. <laughs> yeah. It, I don't know. It was it was disheartening. I feel like, like I don't want this to be the story for the Bills again. That like. Uh, them fumbling the bag after a year where for the majority they looked incredible. Yeah. They uh they have they have the Bengals next week. That is going to be one hell of an emotionally charged game and I feel like the Bills have to get they've got to get back out of this funk because the Bengals they were leading in in that game at Paycor Stadium. Um they looked the more comfortable team. Um, coming into the playoffs than the Bills. I know that the Bills got that win over the Patriots, but like the Bengals have had two divisional games against the Ravens back-to-back, which we'll come on to in a, a little bit as well for the second one, um, where anything can happen in, in an AFC North divisional game. Just it all, all logic goes out the window. <laughs> I, I hate this division for that one reason. Um but yes, they've got to get it. They've got to get out. They've got to get out of it. And I know that there's going to be more emotion in that game. It's going to be. It's going to be tense. Um, 
not only for the for the implications in the actual AFC, but also what happened three weeks ago. Like the Bills have got to get out of this funk, and they've got to do it. They've got to do it over this week, otherwise they're out. In my opinion, it's going to be tough. I mean, they're hosting. That's the only thing, but yeah, they've got they've got to make that change. They've got to get out of this like emotional headspace that they've sort of yeah, found themselves in and it feels weird to say but they've got to do it otherwise they're out which well, t- to be fair I you know this gives me plenty of doubts about the Bills their uh, opponents in the Bengals we'll talk about it soon I also have plenty of doubts about them yeah after this week alright yeah. Also, the Dolphins, um, like this score, is obviously they kept getting let back into the game by like you know the turnovers and everything, and they like they didn't have to work massively hard because of all the the short fields, but like this. This team is not like thirty-one points against the Bills. No, God no. It's, it was it, it was very artificially inflated, and I w- would not feel great if I were them going into next season. Well, they'll get Tua back next season, but it it becomes the question of if Tua is going to miss ten games again yeah. next season. Through, I mean, I'm hoping that he doesn't, but. If he yeah. picks up more head injuries, which he's sort of yeah. been prone to this year, and there's been quite a lot of quarterback injuries, I feel like McDaniel's needs to reevaluate his playbook slightly. I mean, I mentioned it back at the beginning of the season, where mm-hmm. when Skylar Thompson came in the first time, they had him out as a lead blocker. They didn't have another quarterback ready <laughs> on the roster. <laughs> like, there's a, there are obviously freak accidents in in why Tua got hit and why Teddy got hit, but also it's not a coincidence that that they've had so much turmoil at the quarterback position. I don't think I've ever known anything like it. I've literally, other than teams that have had definitive running quarterbacks like the Ravens this year, I haven't known a single team have. A starter go out three different times with a head injury, um, all of them scary as fuck. A, a backup go out with what not only a head injury at one point, but also a broken finger. Um, and then his backup, the third choice guy, also getting injured at one point. And yeah. then Teddy, who was out at one point, had to come back into the game because they didn't... They didn't want to go down to their QB4, which was fucking Cedric Wilson that week. The wide receiver. So that's that's they've gotta they've gotta fix something. I don't know what it is, I'm not entirely sure, but that has to be a thing that's addressed next season. Anyway, I don't really want to talk about the Dolphins too much more. Shall we get on and talk about the main game for me this I, weekend? I think we move on. I think we do as well to the G Men and Well. G Men! Oh, yeah. Go on, you boys in blue. Thank you, Ed. Turning on your Minnesota roots for this one week only. <laughs> 31 to 24 winners, Giants. 
uh, they not only kept pace with the potentially fraudulent Minnesota Vikings, but they did it. But they did it by just outplaying them. Uh, they, uh, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I turned into Sam just then. I couldn't believe it. It was outrageous. Offensive performance this game for the New York Giants was perfect. It was like they were just humming, man. That, like, this was DJ's certainly, like, obviously, it's like a hallmark in his career, but he. He just like he he threw for like just over three hundred yards. He rushed for like almost eighty, and even with we've we've been I think saying for you know quite a lot of this year, myself included, like you know, the Giants' receiving court was <laughs> is kind of trash, um, but they're. They really are better than they get credit for. Well, put some like, fucking respect on Isaiah Hodgins' name, especially Isaiah after this Hod- game. This was... I, I mean, he got picked up, what, six or seven weeks ago as, a, as an undrafted yeah. guy. He was basically just bouncing around practice squads. He gets picked up due to injuries and nothing more. And in the playoffs, puts in an eight-reception, 105-yard game where he also made some outrageously good catches. He's just so oh. secure when when the passes yeah. are thrown. He's not doing anything ridiculous like an OBJ one-hander or like Justin Jefferson literally mossing two defenders in one <laughs> go. It, don't get don't get me wrong. He's not like an all-pro level ridiculous guy. But when when you just want somebody to get the necessary yards on a decently thrown ball. Across the uh, like across the line again to move the down marker, Isaiah Hodgins has ended up becoming their wide He's... receiver one this year. It was incredible. Yeah, it, it just everything just clicked and like being being able to to rest their starters in in week eighteen. I think really really kind of paid off. Like Saquon looked great. Like his um, his run for that first touchdown to like pull it level was fantastic. Like very good, likely blocking from the the O line, but yeah, it just uh, it's 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 your wildest dreams for the like. This is what if someone looks at like the Giants' offense and the personnel they have. It would say this, like, could not have gone better. Or, uh, like, maybe the Slayton drop, which, like, you know, he's had a few drops this year, but uh, I'm not killing him. He's he's been very important for this team all year. Yeah, entirely fair. Um, welcome in, Max. Uh, we are talking about the Vikings Giants, so I'm sure you figured <laughs> out. Um, we uh, you are <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah the I, I feel like this was this was definitely Daniel Jones's coming out game 
301 yards passing and 78 yards on the ground. He played just about as clean as he has done all year. And I think that that's been a big strength of Brian Dable, uh, coach of the year, in terms of how they've been doing it all season. We've said it a few times, just by winning, by playing cleaner football, not necessarily better, but cleaner football than the other side. And... I mean, even in the quarterback region, I mean, Kirk Cousins has got a reputation for being a bottle job in the playoffs, but like, <laughs> you don't see Daniel Jones throwing a check down on fourth and eight to a, yeah. a guy. Like, those are the sorts of things that Dable has worked magic and cleaned out of this Giants team. They played smart, clean, turnover free football against a team that had been a little bit shaky at various points in the season and they were right there for the taking in this Vikings team and the Giants really did deserve comfortably, I feel, to win it. They, they, The Vikings shouldn't have even been alive at that point. They got a bogus roughing the passer call that kept them driving oh. down the field. It, thankfully it didn't end up playing off for anything but like the Vikings didn't deserve it when they went down 31-24 in the fourth quarter right at the end they they should have that was it That they didn't look a team that was capable of getting out of it um, and that was on the Giants just better coached better played um, and really made up for it Really made up for a talent thing. I accidentally fat fingered, but I'm glad that it was that sound <laughs> drop there. Good stuff. Yeah, the the rough in the passer penalty bummed me out a bit. Partly because Dex had such a great game. Like Kirk Kirk did very well to get rid of it so quickly this game and still be like as as productive as they were for parts. Because he was he was getting pressure so consistently, but I mean, where like Jefferson was bracketed like all game. I think he had like forty seven yards. It, it, you know, occasionally I think that didn't it didn't kill them, but committing so heavily to that cost them on, you know. Maybe leaving Hawkinson open, who kind of shredded them for a lot of this game. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, I I don't I don't know what I don't know what else to say. Max, have you got so any happy. points? <laughs> yeah, I think the Giants are better than the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> I think outside of a few positions, important ones to be fair. Quite important ones. The Giants are probably in about 40 positions out of the 53. Well, I don't know, maybe. But they're, they're certainly better, well, they're better drilled. And you're quite right, the Vikings were there for the taking. I thought the Vikings' defense was just... They would have made anyone look good. I mean, the Giants <laughs> have been playing well, but... <laughs> no, honestly, they, they it was a very spineless defensive mm. showing. Um. I don't know. 
I, I don't know. If you wanted to pick out something that would be concerning for the Giants, I think Evan Neal got worked over quite a bit, and obviously playing the Eagles' yeah. defensive line, that might be a bit of a worry. But, I mean, in general, they kept um, they kept Jones upright the whole game, and I think he is a quarterback where, when he knows what you're seeing, he's he's more than capable of of yeah. delivering it and making it work. Yeah. Um, that's I mean the Vikings haven't fired their defensive coordinator yet, but they they might do. It was it looked very easy, didn't it? It was like a hot yeah. knife through butter. Um which <laughs> was satisfying for the, must have been very satisfying for the Giants. Um just like knowing that the chances were that you weren't gonna be stopped. Um yeah. yeah, I was impressed. I think what you said when I first joined about this being <laughs> you were like this this is like the the ceiling for this Giants team um I don't know maybe it is it, it feels like the season was was culminating in this moment and maybe next week I mean they lost to the Eagles what, like on the last week but they were playing the backups and then in the game before that they did get they got whacked but it was about a month ago now and a lot of things have changed especially Jalen Hurts's injury so I'm looking forward to that game I think the Giants have more than proved that they belong yeah I I am concerned, like you said, about Evan Neal. He's been... He's not been fantastic this season and against a much more... Not... Not talented, maybe. Well, no, the the Eagles D-line is far more talented yeah, than the Vikings. <laughs> um, well, do, you know, do you know what? It's going to be a great matchup to watch next week, I'll tell you right now. Dex Lawrence versus Jason Kelsey. Ooh, yeah. Oh, trenches! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if if Ed Donatel survives, like the the Vikings, the Vikings defense has been awful all season. If if he survives this, I would be astonished. Who survives longer this off season? Birds outside US Bank Stadium or Ed Donatel's <laughs> career? It's it's it's. Being outside of the stadium isn't the problem. <laughs> it's when they try and get in. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. How long until they try and get in? And how long before Ed Donatell gets his numbers changed? From a, phil- from a philosophical standpoint, I suppose being inside the US Bank Stadium is the safest place for a bird to be. <laughs> yeah, once you get in, it's an impenetrable force. You're, you're much more likely to, if you're a bird... <laughs> <laughs> if you're a bird, you're much more likely to die of US Bank Stadium outside of it than on the inside, which is quite perverse. Hey, perfect. Um, Alright, let's... Real Noah in the whale situation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We, we, do have, we do have to move on because I do have deadline. But, yes. Great win for the Giants. They do get the Eagles. Um that'll be one hell of a matchup to watch especially after the intrigue surrounding week 18 Oh, what's going to happen um, <laughs> okay now on to uh, another divisional game um, we just talked about Giants-Eagles potentially, this time it's Bengals hosting the Ravens and as you alluded to Sam earlier, Bengals may be giving you some extra concerns um, 24-17 winners but that was a full-strength Bengals team against a heavily impacted by 
not having Lamar Jackson, Ravens team, who, funnily enough, Lamar Jackson didn't even make the trip, was being reported to Cincinnati, which is weird, because they played there last week and he was on the sidelines, so don't know what's going on there. Um, seems like a very messy situation is about to unfold this offseason in Baltimore. A lot of players very unhappy with how this season went down. Obviously, Lamar Jackson seems very unhappy that the Ravens uh, did this situation. The Ravens seem unhappy with Lamar Jackson for doing this whole... Is he actually playing? Is he ruled out? Uh, he ruled I it. He apparently think, ruled I himself think out. actually hurt. Well, apparently he ruled himself out before any specialists and seemed very quick to... Um, yeah, but Marlon Humphrey said he was limping around the facility. If he was limping around the facility and they were like, are you going to be good to play? I don't think you would blame him for being like, probably not, no. Yeah. <laughs> it seems. It just yeah. seems like one of those situations that over the next six weeks when, when we're looking into, you know, free agency, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a little bit messy, a little bit spicy for the first week. He, and then it got really he doesn't want to play on the tag. He doesn't want to play on the tag, yeah. I think, is what it's going to boil down to. Yeah. But with regards to the game, um, I think it was just kind of a weird one because this is the third time these two teams have played this year. And the Ravens have done a good job of scheming on the Bengals' offense. And I mean, they've... I mean, Joe Mixon hasn't really been much of a factor as as much this year. Um, and obviously with... The Bengals' passing game hasn't really had a chance to all play in rhythm um, with injuries, and they're not quite at that level that they were last year, for sure. But I, I wouldn't put too much into it. Like the, like you know, the the uh, there's a few teams who sort of scrape past, like the Bills scrape past the Dolphins. But I think that the Bills are still confidently a better team than the Dolphins. It, it's just that. These one-off play, like play, like uh, winner goes home. No, the winner stays, and the loser <laughs> goes home. In these like loser go home games, I think weird stuff happens, but I don't read too much into it. Like the Bengals aren't actually a top five team left in the playoffs. Oh no, 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 no. Um, to be fair, the only team that I had any form of mild concerns about coming out of the playoffs for their side was the bills um i i just put it down to this is what happens when afc north teams play in in playoff games sometimes just weird shit happens like sam hubbard yeah. retaining a quarterback <laughs> sneak all the way back for a touchdown sam hubbard by the way sneaky athlete didn't expect a guy that plays d-line to be getting up to like speeds of 17 or 18 miles an hour crazy Good, good yeah. fucking legs on uh, on Sam Hubbard, taking it all the way to the house. But um, yeah, and that ended up being the winning play as well. Um, Bengals, I don't feel, I personally don't feel too worried about. Well, Sam, yeah. I'll let you riff I mean, on that. Well, I guess it is. It was probably harsh on me to say that I also have like doubts about the Bengals on the scale of the Bills because. Ravens defense is you know uh it's kind of perfectly constructed to to stop the Bengals and yeah 
when when <laughs> it's like the third time playing each other this year and the second time in two weeks, it, you could probably throw out a, a couple of criticisms against the Bengals and just put it down to, you know, the divisional. Uh, but but it, I, I don't know. I just would have liked them to, like, kind of Dump put someone. this game away. Like what we said about the Bills. <laughs> yeah, like the after the like Hubbard scoop and score, a it was just it was just punts for the rest of the game. Like it it just would have been nice for them to like cement themselves a bit. But I mean not every game will be like this. Joe Mixon isn't gonna get held to like under forty yards every game. Well, like, he might. I think every, um every game. <laughs> I think what is different about the Bengals this year to last year was last year the the defense kind of came along at the end of the year. And yeah. you know, like in that Chiefs game, the defense Loki made made a big difference at the end. Whereas this year I don't really know if they've got that in them. And the other thing that's got to be concerning for the Bengals is the amount of offensive line injuries they've had over the last few weeks. Fuck's sake, y- because... you do this every time. You'll go on a point <laughs> about something else, and then just as I'm about to be like, oh, I have one final thing before I kind of want to move off, and it's it's my final talking point. And then you'll say it midway through this fucking... <laughs> Take one point, don't do three. The third one is mine. <laughs> every fucking time. Oh, I was literally, I'd literally just typed in Bengals O-line injuries to make sure I was getting the facts right. God damn it, you go. Take it, take it, for fuck's sake. So the Bengals had a few offensive line injuries the last few weeks. <laughs> um, obviously, they put a lot of effort in the offseason into rebuilding that. So the fact that all of the players that they brought in have got injured is probably bad. Okay. Do we move on? Do you, do you want to talk about who got <laughs> who got hit and who replaced them? Lyle really. Collins got it, replaced well, by Schlubby Davis. Yeah. <laughs> Alex yeah. Kaffer got replaced by <laughs> Schlubby Davis Jr. Well, and um, oh, I'm Well, the reason why I sort of wanted to actually bring this one forward, uh, like bring it up, is that um, Jackson Carmen, who's never played a game at left tackle, was playing left tackle uh, with. With uh, is it uh, Jonah Williams? Their their left tackle who's been like outrageously good for large parts of this season, especially over the last like ten weeks. When he went out, Jackson Carmen came in. Um, that is not that's not a good sign, especially considering what happened to the Bengals last season, where they were just getting. I mean, Joe Burrow couldn't stay up right long enough against. The, the Titans couldn't really do it against the Raiders. It was it was it was that bad that it encouraged them to splash out big time this off season. And now they're going to be starting a career guard uh, at left tackle for <laughs> the second ever time um, he's played left tackle. The first one being this week feels a little um, feels a little bit bad to be honest, especially when they're going to be running up against the Bills. In Buffalo, that could be a that could be a factor. That could be huge, in fact. Yeah, kudos to Max for bringing up the O line struggles. Cause I Thanks. Think that's yeah. Saying that, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's... If you want so... to see the antithesis of 
Dexter Lawrence versus Jason Kelsey next week. We can all sit and watch 50, 60 snaps of Jackson Carmen versus Frank <laughs> Clark. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Final game because I have this 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 deadline, uh, and then we'll 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 push it on. Um, Buccaneers fourteen, Cowboys thirty one. This went uh, just about the way that we kind of all expected it to, right? Definitely, the Cowboys were just gonna curb stomp the Bucks, and Brady was gonna throw sixty six times, and and it was gonna be really quite sad to watch a forty six year old divorced dad trying to relive some glory years and not being able to throw it past five yards. <laughs> truly, truly sad. Um, Cowboys just absolutely battered them, didn't they? It wasn't yeah, even close. This was, it's. I mean, I was one of many people who saw the Cowboys in Week 18 and just kind of threw out any notions about the previous 17 weeks and what they might have meant. Um because this was so far apart from <laughs> from that week 18 game like ack was fantastic the the offense was pretty perfect yeah. and i mean the defense was playing against you know tom brady as he said throwing 66 times not many <laughs> beyond the line of scrimmage yeah so well, I'm, I'm I'm certainly more like excited about their their divisional game now. Yeah, the um the the point that I'd sort of briefly touched upon back when I mentioned about Trevor Lawrence and and how it's like a new era of quarterback in the playoffs. Dak Prescott is the oldest quarterback by quite some way now uh, left in the playoffs. Dak Prescott's what thirty thirty one. The next closest he's 29. Is... Exactly. <laughs> he's shy of 30. Patrick Mahomes is the next one. He's 26. Everybody's a fucking sprout. The NFL has finally had this quarterback change, and I'm so glad that we don't have to watch old man Rivers fucking chucking it 66 times and trying to relive a glory day. Piss well, off, well. Tom Brady. Just fuck off and retire already and do it properly. Let's not disparage the good name of... of... Or Phil Rivers in this in this tirade, but no, that next year Dak Prescott is going to be a seven-year vet. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that was a quick seven years. Hmm, what's up with that, um... guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. I've only just seen that he's he's from a town called Sulphur. Um... And the only sulfur that I was seeing was from the fucking Buccaneers fans who are salty motherfuckers. Get oh, out of here. Sulfur's not what? a salt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, I don't have anything else. That was it. You you, you interrupted me. Well, I had to pick up the... I mean, if I didn't, the listeners would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm so glad we can stop talking about the Buccaneers. Yeah, same. I'm I'm done with this team. I've been done. To be fair, I've actually I've been checked out on the Buccaneers for a, 
about two years actually. I remember canning them really early in our Royal Grumble two years ago, and if anything, they just got more boring with Tom Brady aging and regressing to a point of no return. Um, in that time since, I'm sick of him. Get out of my sight. Yeah. Boring. Do you think, think Leftwich is gonna go? He's gone, isn't he? Yeah, he already left. <laughs> oh, he's just gone. Yeah, he already <laughs> yeah. he already went. I think. Do you mean Todd well, Bowles? Oh, they no, wouldn't fire the OC and then separately yeah. later. <laughs> Actually, you know what? We're still mad. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait, I'm not done with you. Uh, yeah. okay. Well, the, uh, the fucking... Yeah, I don't... What's upset about the, the Cowboys week 18 performance? It's been more than just the last week. Um, this is the best they've played since, like, the start yeah. of the year. Well, they had that one game against the Eagles. I know that that was also because they were playing the Gardner Minshew Eagles, but, like, I still feel like they played all right in that one. But, yeah, it's definitely their best game since just panning the Colts 54-19, um, which yeah. was... Uh, and that was just four years ago. That was crazy. I've just seen. Yeah, wild. <laughs> but um, yeah, Mike McCarthy didn't blow it, and the Cowboys actually won a playoff game. Good job, America's team. Wait, I have they'll a soundbite for that. Yeah, they'll blow. Oh yeah, absolutely. Week. Yeah. Oh um, my god, America's team. Yeah, good. All right. Um, looking ahead then to the four games coming up. Obviously, we've sort of said. The uh, Chiefs will play host to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to actually just go around the horn here and ask everybody what their one game prediction would be. Could say a winner. Could say a a moment that could happen. Could say anything. Um, we'll start with. I'll I'll give Max some time to think. Uh, Sam, what would be your prediction? Your single prediction. Sam doesn't need time to think. Yeah, exactly. I... <laughs> I think the Jags at Chiefs. I think I think the Jags are like nine point underdogs in this game. Are you having them covering? Are you having them winning? Jags gonna cover, baby. Okay, Max. What would be your prediction from Chiefs Jags next week or this week? George Carlaftis over naught point five sacks. Oh, <laughs> I said bold. Okay, um, I'm gonna say that the Jags get out to a twenty to nothing lead, and it will be like Ooh. that Chiefs Texans game. Texans game. Yeah, Ooh. I could see that being a case. Um, you know, while Mahomes gets back out of the rust of having a bye, um, makes sense to me. All right, Eagles Giants on Saturday night. That one. Um, again, we'll go around, but this time I'll start, I guess. Um, I have the Eagles putting up a 40-burger on the Giants. I think the, the, the Eagles' struggles have been slightly overblown because of Jalen Hurts' injury, but now that he is not injured, apparently, I think I could just see them like drawing up absolutely everything and kicking the crap out of the Giants. I'm sorry, Sam. I think that his injury is going to crop up again. I think that it's going to give him some jip, and I think the Giants are going to capitalise. Ah, oh, 
Akups almost beat them in week 18. Oh. And the starters are going to do it this time. Oh. He's got an upset, Max. Boston Scott under 0.5 yeah. touchdowns. Yeah! <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't as spicy as I was hoping, but it, it satisfied. All right. Um, All right, Boston Scott under 0.5 touchdowns, and the Eagles win by 19 points. Okay, that's oh, that's fine. All right, okay. Um, Bills hosting the Bengals at Highmark Stadium. Um Highmark Stadium. Is that what? It, that's what it's called, right? Yeah. No, I just I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure because I know that Orchard Park is like the old name for it, but I'm pretty sure Highmark Stadium. Um, yes, Bill. Highmark. Uh, Bill. Yeah. Good one. Um, Thanks. Bills hosting the Bengals. Sam again. We'll swap back around. Um, I. I think Josh Allen is going to throw two interceptions again. And I think... Uh... Yeah, Josh Allen, two interceptions. Bengals win by three. Cool. Max? Khalil Shakir? <laughs> Over 5.5 <laughs> receptions. Nice. Um... Uh, that's spicy. Okay, yeah, <laughs> decent. Um, I have Josh Allen melts down big time. Four picks, no touchdowns. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, but, what, like by who? What? What do you mean <laughs> by who? Who's taking those off? Well, the Bengals, the Bengals obviously. Eli Mike Hilton, Jesse Bates, you know, players. The yeah. Um... <laughs> Final one, 49ers Cowboys. Um, I'm just going to bully one of you and pick somebody to do just one prediction because I have to leave. Um, Sam, Niners Cowboys prediction, go now. Uh, Mike McCarthy might not like it, but they're my underdogs today. They're, the 49ers are going to absolutely steamroll them. Uh and uh, Mike Parsons over 2.5 sacks. Fuck! Nice. Are <laughs> <laughs> you taking the under on that? Yeah. <laughs> it's decent. All right. Um, you can catch us again next week. We'll be back with uh, recaps of all the games we've just slightly previewed um, and also previewing the, the next round. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at StiffLitPod. Max, one final word. Highmark Incorporated is a health and wellness organization located in Pittsburgh and operates health insurance plans in Pennsylvania, Delaware, and West Virginia. All right, sweet. Well, that's uh, that's. Why are they sponsoring a stadium in New York? <laughs> Good point. All right, see you later. <laughs>